I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the movie, movie lovers. lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In each episode, we start off our joy and love of film with the weekend review. What movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode. Move on to the main event, which is either a main topic of discussion or a main review. And then typically finish up with film faves, our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, we will have a week in review talking about what we've been watching since the last episode, and then we will have our main event review of Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and the episode will finish with a spoiler discussion of that film. No film faves in this episode. We probably have plenty to talk about as is. So, let's jump in and not waste any time, shall we? Shanna, you have spent a month or two watching a particular TV series that you just finally caught up with. Uh, Do you want to share some thoughts about it? Yeah, but first, do you want to tell people what you've been dealing with? I will momentarily. We have been home, alternating. I was very sick and took some time off. So I've had lots of time to absorb television and movies. I don't remember watching any movies. I think it. Mm. what mostly took over my life was the spinoff of the critically acclaimed show, Grey's Anatomy, which follows the lives of the men and women of Firehouse Station 19 in Seattle, Washington. So this is called Station 19. It's also by Shondaland. And it, I have rather enjoyed it. It has been a very interesting show. I think that my favorite season is maybe season three. And then I am liking how season four turned out. And right now they're on season five. And I have enjoyed watching the cast. Our main character uh, as Andy is Jaina Lee Ortiz. And we've got Jason George, who is crossing over from Grey's Anatomy. He is Dr. Miranda Bailey's husband. And then we've got Gray Damon, who is a regular. Barrett Doss, who is a regular as Victoria Hughes. Jay Hayden as Travis. Danielle Savre as Maya Bishop. Boris Kudjo as Robert Sullivan, also regular. And then one of my favorite uh, characters is Dean Miller, Okadite Onadawan. And he uh, was apparently... James Madison in the 2015 musical Hamilton, just in case anyone wanted to know if he could sing too. I have enjoyed this show a lot. I think that season four deals with the pandemic and Black Lives Matter very well. I am speaking as a white person, and to me, it brought a lot of thoughts and things to my attention, and I I find that the drama in the show in general is less dramatic than Grey's Anatomy. Mm. I found that, you know, going through Grey's Anatomy, I think I kept up with uh, maybe up to season seven as it was airing. And then I kind of dwindled off. That's pretty good. It's pretty good for a 
you know, hospital show. And they pretty consistently, as far as I remember, got like 20 or 22 episodes, Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they started off small. And same thing with uh, Station 19. They have either 10 to 16 episodes. It looks like they're going a little longer this season. And I have enjoyed the relationships that they've had and some of the scary moments that comes with firefighting. And it seems to be mostly true, uh, especially in season one, to the filming of Seattle. If you go and watch an episode and you're familiar with the Seattle area, you will be able to actually tell which station they're shooting at. Mm. They're not actually shooting at the station all the time. Every now and again, I would see a ton of police cars there driving by. And I'm just wondering if that meant that the cost was on location at mm-hmm. that time. There's a couple things that they've changed. Like if you look at where the location of the station is, they add, the characters will go onto the roof. And all of a sudden, you've got everything about Seattle that they can see from up there. And if you go and look at the real station... They can see apartments and a golf course. That's it. <laughs> so <laughs> part of it, like I get mad about that, but at least they stay true to the fact that there's a sort of storage unit type thing right there. Mm-hmm. So mostly doing good with shooting Seattle and staying true to it. And and then obviously they have to fudge a few things as well. So I've enjoyed this show. Our favorite season again is three and four. Five is looking good so far. How far are you into season five? I'm or- up to date. Which so is? right now it's season five, maybe episode 15 or 16. Okay. So it's almost ep- over. Yeah. With a new episode coming on Thursday. So okay. I get to watch that live on TV on Shonda Day. So last question I have. Well, I have two questions actually. One, aside from those who enjoy Grey's Anatomy, who else do you think like if you what other shows do you think would work well if you're a fan of? that you might enjoy this show as well. Maybe if you're a fan of other family drama shows. Really? But are looking for something where family is, you know, what you're creating. Hmm. Not necessarily blood. Uh-huh. Um, if you're into relationship drama or people. So like Parenthood either. or Friday Night Lights? Yeah. I mean, Friday Night Lights... That has a special place in our heart, doesn't it? Mm. It's like a really unique thing. Over here, sometimes the characters have an arc and sometimes they don't. Hmm. So sometimes they go backwards. But that's kind of what humans are really like, isn't it? And where have you been streaming it? I've been streaming it on Hulu. All right. So that is Station 19. Sounds like a big recommendation from Shanna. All right. And you haven't seen anything else you wanted to report on, yeah? I am finishing Bones. Finally, I have a season and a half to go. Oh, wow. That's quite an endeavor, too. Look forward to hearing more about that later. I, myself, have two things to discuss. First of all, I would be very pleased if you would head on over to thegibsonreview.com to check out the latest feature on there. I started a series of uh, posts about the James Bond franchise, the James Bond series. This is the 60th anniversary of the very first James Bond film, Dr. No. And I have already 
reviewed and ranked the first seven films, which is the Sean Connery and George Lazenby eras of the series. And so it's been very interesting. I have a spreadsheet where I'm also like noting and ranking the pre-title sequence, the title sequence, the James Bond themes, the Bond girls, the villains, the henchmen, all that sort of stuff. I'm going to eventually break it all down and kind of list the best and the worst probably in a final concluding post. Right now I'm working through the Roger Moore films. It's interesting. He did... Let's see, he was a part of the franchise for 12 years, but he had the most films, interestingly enough, of any uh, person who has portrayed James Bond or 007, uh, which was seven films himself. So uh, Sean Connery came in, comes in second, I think, with six films. So right now I'm working through the Roger Moore films. Hopefully in the near future I will have my second post ranking and reviewing those films soon but go to the gibsonreview.com to keep an eye out for those and feel free to comment with your thoughts i appreciate that second thing is i as you alluded to shanna you got sick and then i got sick now it turns out you were sick with a cold I thought I was sick with a cold. And I got checked out by the doctor and tested. Yes. You know, regularly during the time. Uh-huh. Tested for COVID in particular. And I thought I had a cold, and it turned out I actually had COVID. I, I sh- shocked the hell out of me. Don't know mm-hmm. how it happened. Don't know how it is I didn't contract your cold, but you tested negative at least six times in the time that I was sick. And I tested positive more than once. So I isolated and I didn't have a whole lot to do. So one of the things I did do was I blew through at least two seasons of the Larry Sanders show on HBO Max. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of people, when they think about HBO programming, they pretty much think about like everything from The Sopranos and Sex and the City onward. I think of True Blood onward. Well, so I guess okay. around about the same time. Yeah, I think that was a little bit after... In terms of its air date, but people kind of ignore or forget that there were shows that existed on HBO in the 90s, and some of them are considered one uh, some of the greatest shows ever made. Larry Sanders' show is one of them. It is the kind of a behind-the-scenes look at a late-night talk show hosted by a character Larry Sanders, played by the late great Gary Shandling. Uh, the show also stars Jeffy Tambor, Rip Torn, Wallace Lanham, Penny Johnson, and you have, depending on the season, you'll have some appearances, regular appearances from uh, Janine Garofalo, Linda DeSette, Scott Thompson, Jeremy Pivens in like the first season or two. And a whole lot of other people, Bob Odenkirk, who's now famous for such things as Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Nobody. You see him as Larry's agent in this show quite regularly. And and the thing about the show was you had celebrities making appearances playing themselves or versions of themselves. And I guess... People loved 
playing like that on this show. And it was quite irreverent and quite brilliant at the time. Sometimes they'd make fun of themselves or their public persona or what have you. Uh, but you had uh, appearances by, off the top of my head, people like John Ritter. You had, oh gosh, you know, so many people that are so much of the time. There, You can actually trace the beginning of Friends because Jennifer Aniston uh, shows up eventually. Oh, Courtney Cox shows up. Funny. Yeah. There's a bajillion different people that um, show up in this. Uh, Steen is in it and, and so many more. I can't even remember off the top of my head. It's it's ridiculous how many appearances. Sometimes the show um, dabbles in uncomfortable humor, you know, a little bit awkward. Often. Like because it's. Well, like, for example, there's one episode where it's all about who's going to get bumped from the episode. And it involves a lot of uncomfortable conversations and whether or not Larry's going to cave and not end up bumping a particular person or, or what's going to happen, that sort of thing. Mm. You also have Jeffrey Tambor's Hank. He plays Speaking the sidekick. Of uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> he plays the sidekick character, kind of the Ed McMahon of the Larry Sanders show. And he's just an absolute insecure self-absorbed tool and more often than not if there's issues with guests it's because of something this guy said or did mm-hmm. right purposely or otherwise needs some training from hr oh he's he's he's, he's in some ways sometimes i don't enjoy watching this character because he's just so like he he he, he suits the purpose like he's purposely um uncomfortable to watch sometimes for me. But I think Ripped Horn, who plays the producer of the uh, show, Arthur, or Artie, is hilarious. He is absolutely my favorite in that show. Yeah, so you've seen the first couple seasons, maybe up to season three or so, with mm-hmm. me. Yeah, they don't shy away from uncomfortable moments. And not like, oh, this doesn't hold up well uh, when I say it. But yeah. uh, more like, what are you getting for? Larry's birthday. Right. And then he goes and gets the thing for Larry's birthday. Right. And so it's just really awkward delivery. And it's kind of cool in a way because there are awkward moments like that in real life. So yeah. it's kind of fun. Now, if some of this sounds familiar because of more recent shows, it's because shows like The Office and basically any behind-the-scenes show like Extras or what have you have a huge debt owed to Larry Sanders show and stars of such shows have openly or creators of such shows have openly said so too. So Larry Sanders show is a greatly influential series. If you have never heard of it, if you've never caught up with it or what have you, I highly recommend it. It is an excellent series on HBO Max is where you can find it. I think even Tiny Toons makes reference to the Larry Sanders show. Crazy. Crazy. Anyway, I'll stop talking about it, but I highly recommend it. Larry Sanders show. That is my week in review. Shanna, you and I have a handful of things to talk about and an update that the two of us have been watching. Let's first give an update on the Arrowverse. We talked about how season... Five, I think it was ended, and I think now we're on season six. 
This, of course, at this point where we're at, involves the shows still Arrow, Supergirl, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. So, uh, Shanna, we have gotten to the point in the season where we have passed uh, and gotten through the major crossover of the season, which was, in this case, Crisis on Earth X. And we're a couple episodes just past that. What do you think so far, Shanna, of season six of the Arrowverse? The Flash has uh, has introduced Plastic Man, I believe it is, and Arrow and Supergirl and Flash have also introduced their villains of the season. Flash is dealing with the not the leader, but the thinker. And also, is it the Flash that's also dealing with Katie Sackhoff's character who can control metal? Yes. Okay. Meanwhile, yeah. Supergirl is dealing with the return of the Daxamite. And it has to deal with the Legion of Superheroes from the future. The year, like, 30,000 or whatever. 3,000. And let's see. What is, um, help me out. Legion, uh, Legends of Tomorrow dealing with this season mostly. Oh, you know, more Damien Dark. Oh, yes, the return of Damien yeah. Dark, yes. Which I'm enjoying way more than you, because I, I think he's one of the best villains of the <laughs> whole franchise. I mean, this is his third time back, yes. you know? So I'm kind of like, my God. He's like the super villain that's at the end of every level that you just can't get rid of, you know? That tells you how good a job Neil McDonough did. They just kept wanting him back. They wanted him back. Oh, my gosh. Okay. okay. All right, so let's talk. Uh, first of all, if you have broad thoughts you want to say about season six, that's fantastic. Please sh- share that. Let's talk also in particular about Crisis on Earth X and share your thoughts on that. Well, I think it was really sad that we got to watch it separately because I, oh yeah, I heard mm-hmm. you through the the bedroom door. Our house has no soundproofing, really, and I could just hear how much glee it brought you. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fun stuff that was happening. There was, you know, a lot of moments where they weren't holding back, which mm. was great because mm-hmm. in this in these TV shows they do hold back, you know. Until it's the final episode. Mm. So when they're going against a villain, it's always, uh, you know, the main villain of the season. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. And they they never, like, get rid of them soon enough, mm. which is a TV problem. And I thought it was really enjoyable seeing all these characters together because, of course, they've built, they've added to their teams. So seeing all these you know, new members joining in with, Mm -hmm. you know, the old guard is pretty cool. And I enjoyed seeing that. Mm -hmm. How about you? I, oh, also I know nothing about this, uh, story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same here. I've heard of earth X. I believe it was a mini series, uh, from DC comics. Oh, Oh, quite a while back now. I have, I, I couldn't even tell you the publication date at this point. But I'm not familiar with it, never read it. So this was, I, I went in cold here. It turns out EarthX is basically a, what if the Nazis actually won and controlled the world sort of thing. And if that world involved superheroes, then what if 
the Nazis actually, like, what if they worked for the Nazis? That sort of thing. And what if those in control of that world, that universe, were to cross over into other universes and try to dominate them? Right? Is that a fair uh, distillation of it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, I think that, like, at this point, they it, it, was, it must have been something they heavily marketed. It must have been something that fans really looked forward to in terms of, like, the next crossover event. It was a four-part event. The way it plays with the credits and everything, it definitely treats it like a major event. Uh, it knows what it is, and it's very excited about it. And I thought it was really flipping cool. Sometimes really dark. You know, you see characters die. Sometimes, like, you see, like, uh, characters from our universe die permanently. But the biggest thing about it for me was it was like, oh, like, I don't know what year this was. It, it must have been, like, two or three years ago. So I'm guessing it was around 2019-ish. And, it took, and, and, and DC finally caught up with the Avengers. Because you have the ensembles of four different shows, for the most part, working together. And sometimes, like, literally working together with their shared um, powers and stuff against a common enemy. And the, the show, the first, I think, fight scene or whatever is in a church at a, at a wedding. And uh, my jaw was on the floor. I was, like, thrilled on the edge of my seat. Holy geekgasming. Because that wasn't even like everyone. There, there was probably about four characters or so, um, maybe six characters missing. Mostly the legends were missing. I don't know what they yeah. were up to. Yeah, legends and Team Arrow were missing in that. But you you had like at least six to ten characters fighting together, and I was like, oh my god, they finally caught up with the Avengers. It was mm. amazing. And then the final battle when you do have. Team Arrow, Wild Dog, um, Mr. Terrific, and Black Canary. And then you also have the rest of the legends who are MIA, which is uh, the Atom, the, the Metal Dude, and one other. <laughs> the I Colossus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know what his name's supposed to be. I don't remember. But well, then we have the two women with the, the two amulets. Women. Yes, yes. All of them working together with everyone else and not holding back. It was in. Incredible. I loved Crisis on Earth X so much. It was uh, a high point for me in the entire franchise. As far as the rest of season six, yeah, you know, results vary. What's weird is right after that, these shows almost seem like they act like that event didn't even happen. It's almost like they pick up right up where the episodes prior to the event took place. Yeah, I, you know, I might have missed it, but Supergirl doesn't mention it even in passing. And there was a lot of stuff that happened in there. Sort of flings happened between certain characters. And right, then yeah. uh, Flash, I think, makes one reference to it. Does he? Not Barry. I think someone else actually references it. Okay. And, but they have to because that's, that's the show that brought everyone together for the wedding. So... Mm. Yeah, but the thing is, like, it just kind of carries on with the villain of of the season. Of their season. But it's like, in, in, I know Supergirl especially was criminal of this, because I literally paused the show and was like, 
is it me mm. or does it literally feel like the last episode did not exist mm-hmm. because it felt like it was literally carrying on the moment of the previous episode. And so that was a little weird, but I know it's really going to be hard because this the show these shows are never as good as what you see in Crisis on Earth X. But I'm hoping respectively each show can uh, still keep the interest going for another, I think it's like 14 episodes each or something like that. Mm. It's probably a little bit less, but not much. I have to say that when these shows cross over, it is one of the most exciting parts of hanging in there. Yeah. With the shows. Uh, I don't really have any strong feelings about how it's moving as a singular show, respectively, right now. Mm -hmm. I prefer watching Supergirl and Flash. Although, minus Damien Doc, I'm enjoying Legends. Mm. Very good. So that's uh, where we're at right now, uh, Season 6 of The Arrowverse. We have two more things to talk about. Uh, we, at some point, caught up, just on a whim, with a Hulu series called Only Murders in the Building. This is a sort of murder mystery comedy starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, principally. You might find some character actors sprinkled in and also Stain. So essentially, this is about like a, a, a hand, like three neighbors, people who live in the same apartment complex. First of all, being united behind their favorite or by their favorite podcast, which is a serialized <laughs> ongoing story that is, I'm not even going to say who shows up narrating oh, okay. it. Okay. Because it's I a lovely surprise. I didn't know that, and it was a nice surprise. There's a few uh, appearances I was like, what? Like that. That's really cool. But they get, they kind of come together because of this podcast. And then someone dies in their building. In their building. And they get inspired to create, to kind of investigate and create their own murder podcast as yeah. a result. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. And, it, and you know, you have Steve Martin and, and Martin Short together. And that's typically pretty fun. And this is probably, I've seen Spring Breakers. But this is probably one of the only other things I've seen Selena Gomez is in. Shannon, I don't know if you're very familiar with her. But I was actually really impressed with her in this show. I, I, I really liked uh, Selena Gomez and think she's very talented and enjoyable to watch. What did you think of Only Murders in the Building in general? I had a good time with it. I do listen to crime podcasts. I mostly listen to small town uh, small town dicks with Nancy that's led by Nancy Cartwright and they bring in different police officers or uh, detectives investigators to talk about specific cases each episode so it's very broad I started doing that actually before we watched this show and hearing and watching this show I guess has encapsulated the culture that's starting around it there's a lot of people out there that are solving things because if everyone's working together, of course, you're going to eventually be able to build the puzzle, right, of what right. happened. So I find the concept really interesting and uniting in a way. Hmm. I I was a big fan of the show. I thought it was well put together. We're exploring the, ca- the three main characters' lives mm-hmm. and what's going on with them presently but also occasionally in the past yeah that's affecting who they are right now Mm -hmm. so it's nice that they're humanized in that way 
And just the apartment dynamics are interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sounds really political. and uh, irritating mm. so I I found that to be interesting and I, I thought it was a pretty satisfying conclusion mm. and it looks like they got renewed for a season two. Oh, season two is coming in a couple months oh my gosh yeah so yeah. I'm excited about it and uh, we got to watch this on Hulu which I paid for the no ads and I think it's worth every penny <laughs> yes this is a uh, Hulu original series absolutely they seem to be knocking it out of the park between Handmaid's Tale and this and uh, there's a couple other things yes you talked about a few of their shows uh, recently I think I don't know if this is one of many comedies uh, that they've done but this is the only one that I've seen of of theirs as comedy and it's a show I like you know I I don't um, I didn't fall hard for it I don't think it's necessarily one of the best things on TV but it's definitely you know when we're bombarded with so many things i think it's definitely one of the things that's worth considering and is enjoyable and what one thing i appreciate about it is they'll talk about how to structure episodes of a podcast and the actual episode of the show re- will reflect and mirror mm. what they're saying about how you, you know this is the episode where you get to know the victim a little bit more mm-hmm. and develop empathy or you know there, there'll be episodes where you get to know as you said they, they'll peel the onion yeah. back about the investigators a little bit And also each episode is unique in how they're approaching it. There are one or two episodes that really stood out to me because of how they decided to creatively reveal facts about characters Mm. and their execution of the show and the story is just really beautiful. And I hope that they can retain that in season two because this was season one. What was it, 10 or 12 episodes? And, it wasn't a lot. And so they were able to, I think they were able to really be focused and like, hey, we're going to have this theme or we're going to use this device mm. to tell the story. Uh, I highly recommend that show. So that is Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Lastly... We caught up with one of a handful of movies we were going to see had we not been sick. It was a big weekend one weekend. The three movies dropped. We had a big plan, and those plans fell through. But we did finally catch up with DreamWorks, The Bad Guys, one of Shanna's most anticipated movies of the year. That's right. I I fell really hard for this franchise. I read all 16 books. And it is based on a, a kid's graphic novel. Very cool. Okay. But I think it's a graphic novel because it's like... So it has paneling. Yeah. yeah, it has okay. panels. And it's it's a really fun franchise looking into uh, characters that are perceived as bad guys, like the big bad wolf, the snake, the shark, the piranha, the spider, and showing them on their journey of trying to get to good or battling with their journey of good and bad. And uh, between 16 books, it was hard to figure out how they were going to execute a movie. Were they going to make a movie based on the first book or the first book one and two and then have a sequel movie? But what ended up being seen was a movie that kind of took a little bit from everything and drove home the concept of how difficult it can be to go from bad to good and retain it. So I know a lot about the franchise. You know nothing. 
what did you like about the movie? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never read the book series. I've only heard about it from you. And I will say, just to point out credit-wise, this is a directorial debut by Pierre Perifel, who worked in animation departments before. Uh, so this was his uh, first big project. And it stars Sam Rockwell, Mark Marin, Aquafina, Craig Robinson, Anthony Ramos, Richard Ayoade, and Zazie Beetz, and Alex Borstein. And um, Lily Seen is also worth noting. Yes, that was a fun surprise. You know, I, it's interesting. I knew nothing about the books. As I mentioned before, I just knew the trailer. It seemed like a decent concept. And DreamWorks is hit and miss. You know, I think that they've done some very top shelf stuff like How to Train Your Dragon trilogy and the very first Shrek film. And then they've done not so great stuff like almost all the other Shrek uh, stuff. Yes, they did Kung Fu Panda trilogy, too. Thank you for pointing that out. That's top shelf. But then they did other stuff, you know, and, and most of their other stuff. Is, 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 you know, either babysitting material or just, you know, just generally not that great. And I would say that while this story doesn't aspire to be a lot, it just aspires to be a well-told, fun, animated mm-hmm. little tale. Um, I think, you know, for for that, it achieves that as best as it possibly could. It doesn't, ins- it's not dumb. It doesn't insult intelligence. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk down to kids. It's it's fun, enjoyable, and witty. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, here's the thing, though. Imagine if instead. Imagine, imagine if you will. This cast was Danny DeVito as a snake. Owen Wilson as the wolf and Kevin Hart as Piranha with also Craig Robinson and Aquafina as their respective characters. That was the cast I thought I was hearing. I did not hear Kevin Hart at all. I understand what you're saying about the other two. Uh, and it was quite a jarring surprise <laughs> Yeah, when we eventually saw the cast list. Yeah, I mean, Mark Maron does not sound like the Mark Maron I know from Glow. I don't know what he did with his voice. He sounded so much like Danny DeVito to mm. me. It was crazy. And, and yeah, I mean, like, Aquafina, you cannot mistake her voice. Yeah, I love and it. then when if you know Craig Robinson, as I have seen him in movies for, like, the better part of 20 years, I'm not going to mistake Craig Robinson's uh, vo- vocal delivery. But um, Sam Rockwell, he was like doing his best Owen Wilson interpretation or impression. I swear to God, because I never (laughs) would have thought Sam Rockwell while I was listening to The Wolf here. Um, And so that really threw me when I was seeing the credits and it was like all showing all these other names. I'm like, what? You know, that's my bad. I don't count that against the movie. It's just weird to me. I have to talk about the animation style, which was fascinating and lovely and created a lot of glee in my body um here's the thing about the comics the books by Aaron Blaby there's a lot of fun funny scenes funny expressions and texture stuff whether you're piling a bunch of kittens together or you know you're getting a bunch of burritos together or whatever and it there were elements of Aaron Blaby that were executed very well throughout this movie. And one of the things that ended up happening is there were humans in this 
in this film. There are no humans in the books. And that kind of threw me off for a while. I didn't really like that. I also enjoyed looking at the color palette, the style where you have sort of a, it feels like watercolor and then really nice line work over the character. And it was just, it was really enjoyable. Uh, as a fan of the, the franchise, I was pleased. I do want to say that there were moments with the animation style that looked like a picture book. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just that, that, as you kind of said, watercolory type look to it, it it definitely reflected that. And I'm hearing you saying that the source material is not a picture book, but it 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 does surprise me to hear that because it almost felt like they were trying to emulate the source material's look. Yeah. Um, in the film, uh, and it, which created a slightly unique look to what you typically get in an animated uh, CG film. Yeah, I mean, in the trailer, you can see they're supposed to help a cat out of a tree, mm-hmm. and they're all really normal. And the angle is from the tree looking down at them, and they're all looking normal until. They they start yelling, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's li- diagonal lines shooting out of them, mm. and their mouths are much larger that and and doing things that they shouldn't animatic anatomically be able to do. Uh-huh. But that's where that comic book the the look of the the illustrations of the book kind of come through, mm. and I just I really appreciated that, and I hope that Aaron uh, I hope that Aaron Blaby is pleased with the result because. Mm-hmm. He puts a lot of work in it, and his series of books isn't done. I think he's going to just keep going. Hmm. So I, I hope that he continues to, I mean, come on, bring book 30. I don't care. I'll keep reading this guy's stuff. Yes. However, be warned based on oh, what you're describing to me without going into detail. If you're a fan of the book series, expect it to be only like 60% like the book series. And there's Easter eggs here and there. If you're up to date with the books, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see one or two things that speak to book 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. So just know that what they've done is they saw the source material and decided to make something concise as opposed to 16 movies. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that is The Bad Guys. Oh, uh, what do you what do you rate the film? I almost uh, forgot to ask. I would give this film a 9. A 9? Wow. Well, yeah, what? I mean, wow. maybe it's because of how I've been exposed to the franchise, but I thought it was really well done. I give it a 7. Uh, I think eh. it's... I think it's, I think it's <laughs> I think, honestly, that's fair. I think it's really good. I don't <laughs> think it's spectacular. I don't think it's top shelf. Uh, I don't think it aspires to be anything really reaching for the stars, uh, but it is enjoyable quite a bit. Okay. You can definitely tell that my emotion is like affecting the score for me. That's all right. All right. Shall we move on to Doctor Strange into the Multiverse? Yes, it is. That does end the week in review and does get us to move on to the main event, which is our review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. Why? We tampered with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. was the only way.
But I never meant for any of this to happen. show up. I made mistakes, and people were hurt. I'm not here to talk about Westview. Then what are you here for? I need your help. With what? What do you know about the multiverse? I'm sorry, Stephen. I hope you understand. Greatest threat to our universe. And that was from the trailer to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe film. I think this is, what, the one of like three or four this year? Anyway, so Multiverse of Madness, directed by Sam Raimi. The IMDb plot description is hopefully not going to be too spoilery here. Doctor Strange casts a forbidden spell that opens the doorway to the multiverse, including alternate versions of himself, whose threat to humanity is too great. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to continue. I don't agree with that like description at all. Maybe I... Okay. Well, it's very broad. It's very broad. Yeah, so here's the thing. Sure. Here's the thing. When we review a film... We first talk about the good, what worked about a movie for us, what were its strengths. Then we talk about the bad, what sucked about a movie, what were its flaws. And we do all that spoiler-free. So anything that is not in a trailer, and sometimes, in some cases, we do this case by case, sometimes anything that's in the first 20 minutes, we will reference but nothing beyond that. And then after weighing whether or not the good outweighs the bad, we have a more spoiler-filled discussion with final thoughts. Okay? Now, with this film, I think we should spend just a little bit of time talking about our general thoughts, good and bad, focusing on only what you see in the trailer because there are plot developments that I did not know about with this film. There are a lot of surprises. There are a lot of characters that pop up. And so I really do not want to ruin the experience. I will let Instagram, I will let Facebook, if you peruse those on a regular basis, you know, you're doing it at your own risk. I'll let those spoil things for you. I will not be... Have us be the the cause of spoiling things. Just like any other MCU movie. Like, remember Avengers Endgame? Remember how, how spoiler-averse we were with that one? Well, and there also seemed to be this, like, culture of support where they were like, hey, we're going to wait three weeks and then we'll start discussing things. 
uh, if mm. you recall. So there was respect and consideration for other people. Yes, and threats to punch people in the throat if they yeah. do speak up. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're not really going to punch people in the throat. Right. That's 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 a liability issue. <laughs> so Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Shanna, why don't you speak generally to what you liked about this film first? Just your general thoughts. I'm not even going to do a whole like MCU lead up question or anything like that. Or I'm not even going to talk about the things that like get paid off from previous entries in the MCU. Just uh, share with us your general thoughts about what was good about this film. It's interesting. I know how we do these podcasts. I know that we start with what we liked and what was good. Mm -hmm. And then we move on to what was bad. Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time moving past what was bad about this film. I'm (gasps) having such a hard time. Really? That it is affecting my ability to focus or bring up the good. What? Now, I will say I had a bad theater experience with two wonderful geeks of the culture who would not shut the fuck up. Uh, This is not okay. I get that you're excited and you want to talk about the possibilities and the references and which issues this could be from. I want to talk about that too, but not during the movie. So for those motherfuckers out there, who I was very reasonable with, just gave them a look and made my hand go down like a volume. Yeah. You guys suck. And people like you out there suck. It totally ruined my experience, viewing experience. So. That does suck. That is filtering maybe my thoughts on this Mm. film just a little bit. And I'm looking forward to seeing this again with our son. What was good about this film was there were a couple of character introductions that I enjoyed. We see her in the trailer, and she's a great character. I would like to see more of her. I think she's powerful. I think she's amazing. I like her style, how they've stylized her. You're talking about America Chavez. About America Chavez. Mm -hmm. I love how funny she is. Mm. I think that there's definitely this introduction of young characters coming in between the person who's taking over Hawkeye uh, and Kate Bishop, played Kate by Bishop, Haley Steinfeld. And then you've got Florence Pugh kind of becoming mm-hmm. Yelena Bolina coming into her own. I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily say she's the new Black Widow, but she, you know, she kind of is. Mm-hmm. And in then, the comics, she is a Black Widow. Okay. And then we've got America Chavez, who's mm-hmm. her own unique thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. coming in so i appreciate that we're bringing in something unique and if we look at the the different things that have come out there's a fair representation of women mm-hmm. uh, could we use more black women yes we could so that's what i have to say about that um i enjoyed the music it was by danny Alfman. Mm-hmm. the cinematography was pretty good and the execution of ideas visually was quite phenomenal uh it's a difficult thing to execute the multiverse of madness because you've not only got multiverse but you also have to add this element of crazy to it uh, as the title suggests i might have other things to say that are good as we start talking Mm -hmm. but that's all i got right now 
Yeah, it's hard when you can't get into the nitty gritty and to sp- talk specifics. I, I totally understand. I, I would say, first of, first of all, Sam Raimi's direction, spectacular. If you're a fan of Sam Raimi's work, we're talking the Evil Dead movies. We're talking the, the original Spider-Man uh, couple movies. We're talking uh, The Gift, a Simple Plan, all these other things. If you're a fan of Sam Raimi's work, you're not going to be disappointed with this film because he introduces, as he likes to do, even with the Spider-Man movies, elements of horror in this film. And he tries to be very creative with what he does with the camera. Different angles, maybe the camera's coming out of, uh, looking out of a wristwatch, um, or maybe it's twisting a certain way when someone wakes up in bed maybe it's tilted and it kind of pulls away and and, and sort of uh, mm. turns a little it, it there's so many fantastic unique and interesting choices that Sam Raimi makes in this film and that definitely adds some much needed spice, I think. I think, you know, you could probably point to a handful of uh, MCU movies that are maybe not as interestingly shot as this film is. I think also, you know, you do get the elements of horror. You know, you get the undead. You get some very violent kills. You get a lot of dark imagery in this film. I understand why they were saying it's like the most horror-tinged Marvel film so far because it is. It's not a straight-up horror film, but it definitely has little nuggets of that sprinkled throughout, and it's very effective, very cool. I think the surprises of appearances that are peppered throughout the film is very cool. I think that Benedict Cumberbatch does a fantastic job. He, gosh, I think he has three or four different character he characters he plays in this film, and each one is distinct, and he does well with that. Mm. I agree with you of Newcomer, and I forgive me for mispronouncing this. I think it's Zoch... Jochito Gomez as America uh, Chavez. She is new to me. Apparently, she has not done much work prior to this. And I think she's fantastic. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say she's my new favorite character or anything like that. But she's definitely a welcome addition to the MCU. I do look forward to seeing more of her. And... I could see why people like Rachel McAdams signed on to come back in this film. Because, you know, I love Rachel McAdams, but I think it's fair to say... Sochil Gomez. Thank you, Shanna. Sochil Gomez it plays America. Um, I think it's fair to say that in the first Doctor Strange movie, Rachel McAdams was mostly relegated to a sort of girlfriend love interest type role and didn't have a whole lot to do in this film she has a whole lot more to do and so it was a much more interesting role for her this time around so i I, you know that was satisfying 
there's a whole lot more to get into in spoilers, but I was very pleased with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and and thought that it is one of the best movies. I mean, I, I think, honestly, the MCU has been very consistent as of late with the you know, Infinity War, Black Panther, Endgame, Spider-Man, Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, and this film, more often than not, you know, I, I think the bar is, is fairly high above your average film when it comes to the MCU, and I think they've been really reaching and raising that bar uh, with the past few films. This is no exception. So, Shanna, what did not work for you about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? What sort of flaws can you speak to currently? What didn't I like about this film other than the fuckers behind me, sitting behind me? Hmm. Mm -hmm. The actual film. Hmm. I had problems with this film, and I can't talk about them until we get to spoilers. You know, as much as I love introductions of new characters, as I said in The Good, I do feel like sometimes we're pushing out the old characters a little too quickly. Really? So, or not giving them enough uh, screen time. So, I had a problem with that. I oh, think that. You really wanted to see more Michael Stuhlbarg, didn't you? Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you felt cheated as a Stuhlbarg <laughs> fan. No. Okay. I don't even so, remember that character. He shows up I in the beginning, know. and it's like we supposedly know that character. I'm like, I. The one about the cats? At yeah, he's, yeah, he's at the the wedding. I don't remember that. That was at a all. that was a fun, awkward. You haven't seen me for a few years. Now we're reunited because of a wedding, and I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna talk to you about how your lack of compassion is. Yeah, I I can't talk about what I didn't like about this movie until we get to spoilers. It's it's just as simple as that. So there's only one thing that you didn't like about this movie. I think the things that I didn't like about this movie can all be discussed in the spoilers. And it's just one thing. I didn't say it was one thing. But it's mostly just one thing. <laughs> this, you know, you're you're praising Sam Raimi so much. But I think that the writing and direction of this film was lacking in certain aspects and mm. could have been executed differently and been more modernized as opposed to archaic representations of certain archetypes. Oh, man. Oh, boy. It's going to get interesting. <laughs> we, we, oh have not, we have not talked about this until now, and I think that's good. I, I will say, I just looked it up. We haven't seen Michael Stuhlbarg's character since the first Doctor Strange movie. See, I knew we should have ago. watched the damn movie before you, going. You wanted to, and you... Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. And that's like the only one of two things that's actually like relevant to... The first film in this film. Well, Jeff, was there any problems that you had with this film at all that you're praising up and down? <laughs> I, gosh, I want to say there was. Oh yes, uh, there there are a couple things that I can't speak to until we get oh, into spoilers. See, I hope hard. I don't forget by the time I get an opportunity. Mm. But well, maybe maybe you go first and then I'll. Go on my tirade. But the, oh boy! But there, there was a couple things, overall kind of minor in the big picture of things. But there were a couple things. 
in general, I think let, let's 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 kind of do our summation and get into spoilers here because obviously we have way more and we don't need to drag this out. Pre-spoilers. In general, I think the good greatly outweighs the bad in this film. I was very pleased with it. It is quite the spectacle, and it pays off thing, most things very well, very interestingly. It gives certain people a lot to chew on, especially since there's been some criticism of how you know, how much certain characters have had to do in the past. This definitely makes up for it. So I give Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness an 8 out of 10. Seeing as how you hold us to whatever rating we decide as soon as it exits our mouths, (laughs) I don't feel comfortable rating it Mm. until I watch it again. You know... There have been times where I've been like, oh, I really need to see it a second time for sure, but this is my tentative score. There's been times where I wasn't sure until I see it a second time. That's that I, I totally feel you. Cool. Thanks for respecting that. Yeah. So what's your tentative score? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Look, if I had to give it one right now, you, you want to know, it, it would be a six. Okay. So okay. that's where I'm at right now. I'll watch it again and... Mm. Upgrade or degrade? Downgrade. (laughs) Downgrade, yeah. Yeah. All right, fair enough. All right. Uh, So you're not entirely sure. Well, as far as you're concerned, the good just barely outweighs the bad. You, it sounds like, give this a very minor recommendation with your score of 6 out of 10. I need to watch it again, and I'm okay saying that. But it's not going to solve the problems that I have with the film. Maybe, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. <laughs> You're just hoping. You don't know. You're just hoping it's going to work out for me. <laughs> Let's get into the film. Uh, it was, if you haven't seen the movie, do not let us spoil the film. Pause. Go see the movie. Come back. Return to the conversation. Join us in our spoilers conversation if you've seen the film because you're you're a fan and you couldn't wait and you want to be part of the dialogue. Join us as we get into spoilers for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, starting now. So, Jeff, I don't want to completely take over. Why don't you start by talking about the bad? I'll mention my bad, and then we can sandwich it with positive. If that's how you want to play, we can do that. So, the first thing that comes to mind is the end of Shang-Chi has... Wong, mm-hmm. take Shang-Chi and forgive me, I cannot remember Aquafina's character's name from that film, but says he greatly needs their help. Come, come join us. Come join me. And takes them through a portal. Okay. You would think that... Katie. Thank you, Katie. Yes. You would think that that leads right into... The elements of this film, but Shang-Chi is nowhere to be found in this film. So I'm left wondering, three quarters of the way through the film, where the fuck is Shang-Chi? What is he? Why did Wan need him? What are we up to? I think that's definitely a problem I'm facing with this particular film too. It's a little whiplashy in that we're we're sort of expecting certain characters to come back, but they're so busy introducing new characters 
or different elements of certain characters related to versions of Doctor Strange that I feel like it's not grounded enough, huh. this film. Interesting. Because it's so fantastical? No, that's not what I would say. Okay. I feel like we we don't have enough of a grounding. Mm, okay. Uh, so that was that was one thing. There, there, you know, just things like that. Uh, I think also after Loki ended, that apparently it's it's not a limited series, but after season one of Loki ended, and you see the multiverse being created. <laughs> I fully expected that to pay off in a movie called The Multiverse of Madness. And hmm. yes, there's a multiverse, but in no way does it seem to reference like how the multiverse was created or anything like that. You know, it doesn't pay off the end of Loki. I'll push back a little bit there and I could be wrong. I need to watch it again, but I think we see a scene of the Loki city where he is. We see all those statues uh, as they're falling, as Doctor Strange and America Chavez is fa- are falling through the, the larger sequence of different verses. Huh. It's where they're going through the paint universe. And yeah. one of the first ones that show up, I'm pretty sure, are the statues and flying cars of that city. Huh. So even though it doesn't come back to the rules of that multiverse that we've learned about uh-huh uh it is seen briefly i believe okay again a rewatch is necessary for that well and i haven't gone on the internet to see the the hardcore people break anything down yet so mm-hmm. But it's definitely not front and center. It's not even no. like a thing, and and that was a little disappointing, you know. And I and that was a that was like one of the few problems I had with Spider Man No Way Home too. Is is my understanding was that movie was going to be partially paying off Loki as well, and it ended up being a spell that Doctor Strange created that that created the whole thing. So our villain from Loki was who was it? Uh, revealed at the end yeah yeah uh, he who remains also known as kane the conqueror we know that kane is probably their next big guy he's probably the new thanos for uh-huh. this uh-huh. this uh phase, phase. Mm-hmm, yeah. so it shouldn't surprise us that they're not bringing loki back in yet mm-hmm. they're probably gonna bring him back in at the end of the phase because Kane is probably going to be three phases long or something. Right, just like, just like Thanos. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like they're trying to ramp up and bring in all these new characters so that they can have their next Civil War kind of equivalent hmm. of okay. all the characters. And I feel like maybe it's because we sort of know the formula now that they sort of follow. And that's not to say that they may or may not break away from it, but I do feel like we're getting a little form- formulaic. Really? I'm hoping that when we see Thor, Love and Thunder, it kind of breaks away from that because Taika Waititi is, is kind of known for bringing his own flavor, mm-hmm. which is what we need. If you're yeah. bringing in new characters that are going to pay off later, you need to bring in someone who has a particular flavor that's bringing their own self to it. Well, as we get in this film with Sam Raimi, for sure. Um, 
What else uh, did you not like? No, I, I think those were the primary okay. issues that, that came to mind as, you know, you just, it's just, you know, I'm a big fan of continuity. I'm a mm. big fan of, continuity. you know, it, with this, like, mm. threading, the, the MCU has been big on threading things. And, and so that's just seemed like a big what the hell, particularly when it comes to Shang-Chi. Mm. And, 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 you know, I've been looking forward to this film primarily because of the multiverse of madness part, especially after watching Loki, you know. So uh, just a little surprised that it didn't pay off in those regards. Uh, mm. those, those are my quibbles, if you will, but uh, uh, not really much of significance uh, for me. Yeah, so let's get into the main thing that I did not think worked. I know that we spent a lot of time with Wanda in WandaVision and her mourning over the loss of Vision and the creation of her own family uh, in her own unique way. And the loss of that we, we barely got into. But it seems to have carried through here. Mm -hmm. She seems to be mourning the loss of her boys and is really having a hard time with that as any mother would. Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange is the gaslighting and lack of compassion for grieving moms I didn't need. Oh, And I know that that's a loaded statement. It is a very loaded statement. If you'll just (laughs) shush and bear with me. I will. I will break it down. Her saying that she needs her boys in whatever capacity she said it and him saying, you never had children. We don't need that. She had her children. It was real to her. It was real for a few citizens of that town that got to see those children. So hearing him say that, I believe he says it twice, is not helpful to anything. The fact that he didn't take a second, a minute, to recognize that this is a mom suffering Uh, grieving and acknowledge that was very upsetting for me and I feel has no place here it could have just been a minute I understand that he his goal is to protect America Chavez and he realizes fairly quickly that oh Wanda is actually the problem here she's the one she's the one bringing the demons to get America Chavez and he quickly goes and protects America Chavez And I wasn't satisfied with how they got got rid of her. She had just come into her power. She could have been a great asset. When America Chavez realizes, I need her to see her children because I can't fight her anymore because this is is otherworldly, not just chaotic magic, but this is mother chaotic magic. Mm Mm-hmm. And good on America Chavez for recognizing that and putting her in that situation. And so when she's about to stop, that's when Dr. Strange first acknowledges of she's got to see for herself what her actions are causing for her children. Mm. It's too little too late. It needed Mm. a line or two of dialogue to acknowledge grieving mothers. And it didn't do that. And I'm not okay with it. Anything else? You're just waiting so you can disagree with me. Uh, that that I had a really hard time with, and I look forward to watching it again. Mm-hmm. 
I, right now I stand by what I say. Okay, so you say it just needed a line or two of dialogue to acknowledge her feelings and acknowledge grieving mothers. Is that Acknowledge cor- is that the fact that she did have children. Stop telling her she never had children. Mm. Okay, realize you're mistaken. Mm. Interpretation of the situation. Mm. Ask her what's going on. And... Uh, Show some understanding and compassion for a grieving mother. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there are lines from three different characters, including Doctor Strange, throughout the film that do try to appeal to her in an understanding way. But, and, and, and it is literally someone saying, um, I what you're feeling is valid and I understand how you feel and things along those lines. Juan even says, isn't even knowing that there are versions of you who have what you don't have consolation enough, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Are- Wong acknowledges What's what she's going through? Yeah, he's yes. one of three people who do. Yes. When does Doctor Strange acknowledge it, other than at the end when America Chavez puts Wanda in? One of that the first situation. confrontations, he says uh, something to the effect of, um, "What she's feeling is valid," but I'm sorry, like it is factually true as you watch Wanda Vision. That that family was completely fabricated. It was not reality. She did create that family. Even if she made it so convincing that it felt real. It felt real to us when we were watching the show. But it doesn't change the fact that it was not real. It was a hex. They were not living people they were a spell so i think that there is her not having that anymore yes i i get that i don't know that she has a sense of loss and that's why she is a sympathetic villain in this film because you understand thankfully uh, 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 thanks greatly to elizabeth olsen's performance you understand where she's coming from. But you also understand that she's being corrupted by a dark force, and she's allowing her feelings to get the better of her and become corrupted by a dark force, which is, I can't remember the name of it, but it is this book that she got a hold of. And so uh, that is a big part, and, and that is in, in some ways like, true to the character how like she is becomes broken emotionally in the comics and i thought that was actually a strength of the film for them to really dig into that the dark hold thank you the dark hold is what's corrupting her right because that's something we also hear repeatedly through the film any uh, any user of the dark hold there is a there is a cost Right. And sometimes as a result, you become corrupted by using the dark hold. And that's what happened to her. I mean, 
you're you're right that she couldn't be reasoned with right the reasoning is attempted with her a a certain degree of understanding some sort of of um sympathy helping her understand what the the result of her actions is all of those things don't work what needed to happen was for her to see for herself what she had become she even at the end catches herself when she says i'm not a monster i would never hurt anyone and she realizes oh yes she is she has killed many in her quest well i think i've been very patient and listening to what you have to say and reasonable <laughs> i have been very reasonable <laughs> did you enjoy me using that line yeah, yeah that was I pretty did. fun i was gonna use it on them to get them to shut the fucking hell up oh uh, yeah Anyway, talk about the people behind the people behind the fuckers. Yeah. So don't piss me off (laughs) during a movie. I'm not going to be nice about you later. So she has the ability to manipulate reality, right? Yeah. That's her thing. Yeah. And when she uses her ability to manipulate reality for characters and kill them, that's real, right? For manipulate reality for character. Can you give me an example? So this guy on your shirt that she kills. Yes. Okay. She takes away his mouth. Yes. That was real, right? And then he died. Uh huh. Okay. She can create life too. Like it is real for her. So don't. I I don't even want to hear you argue against that because Mm -hmm. it is, if she can kill with her reality manipulation, Mm -hmm. she can create. All right. So I I don't want to, I I think you're mute on, I'm just (laughs) going to mute you on that. It still stands that she's a grieving mom. And I just don't like the stereotype of taking a grieving mom and making her crazy. I get it. She had a book that Mm -hmm. was manipulating, was, was basically amplifying her grief yeah yeah and that's fine Mm -hmm. but i just really did not like that dr strange said twice she didn't have children that's not okay there's nothing about that that's okay you can disagree with it and i totally get it and i actually i think like the point that you're making is a valid one and It it helps me it helps me sympathize with wanda and i think is why it's so great what happens with her in this film but i think like also you can understand very easily what dr strange is saying too and why he's saying it why he's saying you don't have children you, no it doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense no because again it you, came down you, to a hex he took the time no it's jeff I, I just said, like, <laughs> if she has the ability to kill with her power, she has the ability to create. No, I understand. Okay. I understand. But I don't he's think making, you do. He's ma- <laughs> I don't think you do. You know, because uh, you're coming back to how Dr. Strange is right, and he's not. No, I'm saying what he's saying is just as valid a perspective as as what you're articulating. And I think you can't just say that one perspective is valid and not the other one, because that's, what's great about this film is you have two sides and, and they're both, they both have valid perspectives. I can also say that had someone checked in on Wanda, not only about her grief of vision, but her grief of the reality she had 
and loss of the reality she had created, we could have avoided all of this. I know we need it for stories and moving stories forward. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. But I hope that people actually sit with this and think about the fact that, hey, the grieving mom might need someone to visit with her, even if it's just to share the silence. I think so that she doesn't become a stereotypical woman that no one listens well, to. I, I, I don't think there's anything stereotypical about, uh, stereotypical about Wanda at all in this. I think that she actually has layers. I don't think she's one-dimensional at all. I think she's rich in, in character development. To be clear. Um, and also, let's not forget, she's also a grieving sister. To be clear, I'm saying how Doctor Strange is interpreting her. I still don't think that he sees her as a one-dimensional person at all. Remember, like, like he knows better. He's fought alongside her and everything. Like, you know, he does not want things to go south with Wanda. I could talk about this. I could do this all day. <laughs> so... <laughs> I will end this conversation about this particular topic with the fact that I hope Dr. Strange learned something from this. It has always been about what he thinks is necessary to think about, what he needs to consider, mm. and it's not always like that. You need to think about how other people are interpreting things mm. and experiencing things so that you can make a better informed decision, whether... It's, it's Wanda's experience of things or America Chavez's th experience of things or Wong's for that matter. And I think that maybe from Rachel McAdams' character saying you're the one that always needs to hold the knife. Yeah. You don't always have to be the only one holding the knife. You can have a team. Mm. And I don't think he's good at having a team. I think he's good at seeing problems and trying to solve them mm. as per the this was the only way. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that he moves forward with team and checking in on team members. He's a doctor. This should be second nature to him. I think that's an excellent point. And I think maybe we're going to see him do that since the last thing we see of him is having to solve a problem with somebody else. Having to solve a problem he caused. With someone else. Yeah, what that is is a little unclear to me, but we don't have to get into that yeah. um, on, on mic right now. Uh, but who is that? I'm that he happy to see Charlize Theron. Goes off with, it is Charlize Theron playing, and she's credited as simply Clea. Now, who is Clea? You may be asking. I'm asking it because I'm not familiar. <laughs> Her name is Clea Strange, my friends. And there's Charlize and Theron's picture. She is a sorceress and disciple, lover, and eventual wife of Dr. Stephen Strange and his ultimate successor as the Sorcerer Supreme. Hmm. Debuted in 1964. How is it? I've wow. never heard of her that until last year. I have no what? idea. What? But... But that is apparently where the next Doctor Strange film will pick up, mm. interestingly enough. And let's he has see. a third eye. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I, uh, let's, let's talk about the fun and the good stuff. All right. Where do you want to start? <laughs> okay. Well, let's get the, the big elephant in the room. First of all, they spend a lot of time in a particular 
universe. This universe has a lot of uh, greenery growing on buildings. They're, you know, it looks it, like an environmentally friendly earth. Yes. One where you do have to pay attention to symbols, not just colors, because colors do not mean the same thing as they do in our <laughs> universe. And one where uh, Bruce Campbell is apparently some sort of a food vendor selling pizza balls. Bruce Campbell. Those looked great. That they actually kind of did, but the Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi fans should be squeeing about that because Bruce Campbell, of course, is Sam Raimi's best buddy, dating all the way back to his first films, the Evil Dead movies, and he's been a cult icon since. And usually, Sam Raimi tries to squeeze Bruce into his uh, films in some way. He made cameo appearances in the Spider-Man movies. He made a cameo appearance at the very end of Dark Man, and here he is showing up as guy who scolds Doctor Strange. I don't even want to get into that. On Earth eight three eight. Eight three eight. Okay. Yes. So Bruce Campbell appears, and then. What do we have? We have, we learn that Doctor Strange in that universe died, sacrificing himself to save the universe from Thanos. There's a statue erected, and Baron Mordo is the Sorcerer Supreme at the Sanctum Centaurum. However, Baron Mordo, while not the evil dude that we saw at the very end of Doctor Strange, the first movie, six years ago, also a character that did not pay off in this film, as I expected, he is very wary of Doctor Strange and America Chavez coming to this universe and feel has concluded that Doctor Strange is the real threat to the multiverse. They seem to have experience with this because they have fishbowls. As they nickname it, mm. ready for intruders <laughs> from that's, other dimensions. That's a good point. That's a good point. Earth. So, yes, they are captured and yeah. eventually. And had valid concerns. You might have sicknesses we can't treat. Yeah, actually. <laughs> you might have COVID. <laughs> we haven't had that yet. Right, right. <laughs> so it's very valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually appreciated that point that would be made. Um, they have, and Doctor Strange has power dampening cuffs on, of course. The good old. Power dampeners used in practically every superhero show or and movie at some point. always a green color. It's like kryptonite I think will forever be blue. in our brains. I think it's blue in the Arrowverse. But anyway, so he is brought in front of the Illuminati. Okay, Shanna, I want you to quickly Google the Illuminati okay. Marvel. Because oh, okay. I want you to help bring context to what the Illuminati are in the Marvel comics, okay? The Illuminati are a fictional secret society group of superheroes appearing in American comic books published by Marvel. The yeah. characters join forces and secretly work behind the scenes. Yes. Now, this group, which, by the way, included Doctor Strange in the mm, comics. Even Iron Man, apparently. They all voted to, to send Hulk away. And that eventually led to oh. Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, which Hulk fans are big fans of those story arcs. Oh. Um, those were kind of touched on in movies like Thor Ragnarok and things like that. So 
in the MCU, the Illuminati exist in this particular universe that used Ultron technology to create uh, robot guards. Yeah. Notice that. Fairly effective. Fairly effective. Very cool. And the Illuminati in this universe includes Baron Mordo, Captain Marvel, played by Lashana Lynch, who, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be. I believe she's the woman who played Photon in as either... WandaVision. Yeah, WandaVision. Thank you. Yes. And also uh, Captain Carter, who we met in What If? Mm-hmm. Sharon Carter as a Captain America. And we have Black Bolt... One of the Inhumans, and they even mention the Terrigen Mist. He's the guy who, he could make your head explode with just a whisper. And he's on your um, periodic table of Marvel. Yes, I have a t-shirt. So it's kind of cool. And Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards himself, played by John Krasinski, and... Professor Xavier himself, Patrick Stewart. Okay, all right. Monica Rambeau is not is not who we see in this film. You're saying? Well, no, she's Maria. She's the one who played Maria Rambeau. She's Maria Rambeau from then, Captain Marvel. And then in WandaVision, we have Monica, Monica Rambeau. Rambeau. So that's why it's a little confusing. Aha! Aha! I knew I knew that Lashana Lynch was in the MCU before somewhere. Um, okay, so this is big. All right, this is like holy shit! Oh my god! Was the best part of this fucking film. Okay, I disagree <laughs> and, with that, but that okay, was so but, cool. But let's let's remember that X Men and Ghostbusters are like my top two franchises. So let's just remember that for me. Still very the cool. Yellow hover chair, the perfect yellow. In yep. this film. It was beautiful. Yes. Beautiful moment. Yes. And seeing them all fight was... Uh, well, it was cute. Well, before we get into oh, the okay. fight, because oh my god. Fight, 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 fight. Your thoughts when they revealed the Illuminati. It was good. It was good. It was very exciting. I didn't know who this was. <gasps> I, I didn't know who he was. Who is he? Black Bolt. I didn't know who Black Bolt was, but oh, it was it was fun. I feel like he needs to know sign language, though. He does. Oh. He does. He was if you, using it. If you watch the poorly received Inhumans ABC oh. series, okay. he communicates through sign He's language. He's an Inhuman? Yeah, that's what I just said earlier. Yeah, oh, they I'm brought sorry. up I the Terrigen Mist. I was thinking about something else, like Drax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. He's the leader of the Inhumans, the king of the Inhumans. And I loved seeing Captain Carter... God, I love her so much, and mm. she looked exactly like What If. Yes. So that that was I. It was very weird for my brain because I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> very. Uh, cool. I enjoyed that very much, and I did like seeing Captain Marvel as well. I I thought that was great. That it was a fairly well represented board, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then seeing John Krasinski, I was like, oh, "Does that mean that real wife?" Is Invisible Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Emily What's, Blunt. Yeah. Could could we have Emily Blunt as Invisible Woman? Fucking please. Because <laughs> that would just please me to no freaking end. 
You know, it's funny you say that because I am sure you would not have a hard time finding an article somewhere from the past that that basically like, you know, speculates Emily Blunt as Invisible Woman or something, you know? Oh, man. Because that's the thing about John Krasinski showing up that was like, oh, my God, because Mm -hmm. fans for whatever reason, thought he would make an excellent Reed Richards. And there has been a lot of speculation over the years Mm -hmm. of him playing Reed Richards. It feels like a good fit. You know, I I haven't thought much about who else should play it, and I won't get into that because that'll just send us on a tangent. Right. Uh, Seeing Charles Xavier there was beautiful. And then seeing him... In the what is it called? The plane. All right, let's get into the the, yeah, the let's battle. Get into okay. The fight. So yes, uh, Scarlet Witch does catch up with that demen- that universe and just and they think they're going to be okay. Annihilates the place, right? Yeah. And all of the Illuminati go to fight her. They right? think they're going to be okay. And you know, with that group, you know, not all of them, all but two go at the same time, you would think, right? But she alters reality. Oh, my God. With her amazing power. Oh, my God. And when and when Reed was like, this guy over here, he just has to whisper your name. Yeah. And you're gone. She's like, with what mouth? And then, holy hell, this is when this thing gets, like, dark and edgy, dude. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's definitely... For me, it's a horror film about grieving moms and also about heroes dying. So, yeah, yeah. Um, they can, right? They can. 616, Earth 616 is so powerful because they can just go to any other fucking Earth and just kill everyone there. And it be, you know, satisfying to people who want heroes dead. Jeff Gibson. There's no, there isn't really any repercussions, really, you know, that we're seeing right now. And this earth's come after earth 616 so it's intense dude. it was so what happens to black bull crazy he speaks to see i guess to see if he could get his mouth back and unfortunately it reverberate it reverses it reflects on him i think uh causes massive internal bleeding because i think it's emulsifying blew up his brain well i think it blew up everything in him because you literally see like a blood splurt in his eye and like yeah. a little misshapen something in his skull as he falls over. Yeah, it was that was horrifying. And then And then we get Mr. Fantastic mm-hmm. gets turned into ribbons until he's completely torn apart. And then his head pops. Yeah, oh, like a little pop. It yeah. was so weird. Yeah. And disturbing. Dude. Oh, it was come so sad. On. He was he basically became noodles and then my uh, jaw was on the floor and then we lose Captain Carter and yeah. she's basically cut in at the torso she's cut in shield half. yeah they 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 just barely don't show it thank God because I don't need to see it oh my I don't God need to see it. that was um, that was fucked dude yeah that was absolutely awful and then Captain Marvel who you think based on what we've seen what we've seen with Thanos yeah uh, you think you she's going to be okay but she's yeah. not because guess what wonder is the kickass bitch yeah so Captain Marvel dies and then it's Charles Xavier's turn yeah and dude so he gets into the what plane is it called I was so excited I was literally like oh my god yeah. 
they, they went into the astral plane. And I was like, yeah. are we going to see them fighting, like, psychically or what? It was very what? effective, very clean imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, white background with rubble, mm-hmm. basically. And the real Wanda of that Earth is under rubble. She's trapped. Yeah. And then our Wanda sneaks in behind with very effective red, red grenade smoke, basically. And... Breaks his neck. Yeah. That was disturbing. Yes. Oh, my God. My, like, favorite character. Like, if we ever have a boy, I want to name him Xavier. You know, like, ah! So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, That was an intense sequence. All of that. These were really great heroes, and they all died horrible. Yes. Instant. Basically, instant death. So that's what's... Well, another thing that's really great about this movie is it really sells... How powerful Wanda is. Yeah. You do not want to fuck with her. And it's, it is intense. Well, and I, I, I think this is where the grief is effective. It's like if you don't help your grieving friend, you you, you know, you might. Bad things are going to happen to others around her, you know. If so, not herself, yes. Yeah. And then uh, we don't ever see anything happening to Baron Mordo, I, I, I guess. But um, I feel like he got knocked out. She, she, I guess she, at that point she's distracted because Doctor Strange and America and Christine are running away, and she's really after America in the first place. Not, mm-hmm. not you know, just she. Everybody died because they got in her way, right? And Baron Mordo, I guess, like dodged that bullet. But, yeah, he was trapped somewhere else. Yeah. So that whole thing. That's the big, that universe is the really big, like, holy shit of, of the whole movie, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, you get some fan service. Because here's the thing, man, and you, you, you were kind of debating this, but, like, we see multiple uh, Stephen Stranges, and it's all Benedict Cumberbatch. We see an alternate Baron Mordo, and it's uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. We see the different Christines, different Wandas, um, different Wandas. So it stands to reason it's all the same performance. If it's one actor in yeah. one universe, if that character comes into the six one six MCU, then it must be that actor playing that character too. So the only difference is in the Loki verse where. Loki is different actors. That is the one exception, and it's not it's not different ages being uh, of yeah. the same actor, you know. And that's what makes me hopeful that. So does that mean that at the end of Phase Four, mm. when we get the Fantastic Four movie, mm-hmm. John Krasinski is actually is this a casting announcement? Is it? Yes. Oh, let's talk about America Chavez's awesomeness. Go ahead. Like, her power is beautiful and powerful, and I just, I love her style. I love that it's this giant star. I love that at first I thought, is this a version of Captain America? And it wasn't. It was her own thing. I mm-hmm. I, I want to know more about her. Mm-hmm. I love that she's the only one. I love the concept of if you're dreaming, you're dreaming of different versions of yourself. Mm-hmm. And Wong's like, that was what if there's a clown and I don't have pants? And it's like, <laughs> yes, that's happening somewhere. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I like that concept. I, I always love how... You know, you have, a, you have an opportunity with Multiverse to give reason and play with the idea of dreaming. So I like that. 
You know, I'm not familiar with the character. She debuted sometime after I stopped reading, I guess. Uh, so I don't know what happens with the character. I'm not entirely sure I'm excited about her being part of, I don't even remember what you call them, that, that learns the mystic arts. You know, um. I, 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 I feel like I'd rather see her be her for a while. I think they're just trying to teach her basic basic skills so that she can apply them to her own thing. Shrug. I think that's what they're doing. Uh, and it makes sense to me. It's like, hey, you're in this earth right now. Uh, this is what we can do to help you. This is the closest thing we have hmm. for you. Hmm. So to me, it makes sense. It, hmm. You know, she's obviously capable of a lot. And, you know, she's basically... A teenager that's gone through very traumatic things and mm -hmm. hasn't had a chance to sit down and breathe, and she needs to learn to meditate and well, and become one with herself. At some point, she does find her her mom too. That would be so fucking cool. Uh, very cool, very subtle representation of a gay character. She's also wearing a uh, pride pin. Like from what I understand, the character America is actually supposed to be a, a lesbian, also. So uh, very cool to see that introduces. You know, there's an article out there. I don't remember who wrote it. If it was um, slash film or if it was uh, uh, comic book resources, but there is an article out there about how like Marvel is really turn the tide with uh, female representation and America Chavez just kind of is adding to that and really powerful stuff, really great stuff. So I really want to see more of that. Maybe there's a young Avengers in the future with America and Kate and a couple other characters. Yeah. Um, that would be great. We do, we should wrap up soon, but I, I do want to say brilliant way to introduce or bring characters like Shuma Gorath into the MCU by having... That was freaky and awesome. Very cool, very cool stuff. By having Wanda in, uh, uh, be conjuring these demons. I believe, I could be mistaken, but I believe a character named Sleepwalker is the first character we see in the cold open. Um, I could be wrong one about that, but then, then they also introduced the idea of sleepwalking or date. What, what, what do they call it? When he goes into dreams... I think I thought you had it right. Okay. I love Wanda's line of like, you're such a hypocrite. <laughs> sure. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Where we're left, we're left with the possibility of Wanda having, uh, having uh, uh, destroyed all of the Darkhold books in all the universes and possibly destroyed herself. Wanda Gore Mountain, dude. Wondergore Mountain. That is so cool that we have Wondergore Mountain in the movies because Wondergore Mountain is an important part of the history of Wanda Maximoff, the Maximoffs in general, and Magneto. Mm. If you're not familiar, Google Wondergore Mountain. Uh, I thought that was really awesome to kind of take another baby step towards embracing the X-Men yeah, side of things. Anything else that you wanted to speak to about this film? I, I got to be honest, man, uh, seeing Charles Xavier, hearing the X-Men theme, I'm just, when do we get more X-Men is basically where I'm at. And I know that we're supposed to get the animated show. And I think that's a good way to get us going again, mm -hmm. because that show was, uh, you know, the original cartoon was amazing. Yes. So I am pumped about certain things. I mm -hmm. am sad about, it seems like this is the end of Wanda. So 
We shall see if it is. She definitely went out with a uh, very meaty role and performance. It is cool that she took care of all the Darkhold across. Sure. All the multiverses. Sure. She might even still be doing it. Oh, you know what also surprised me? Going back a little bit, um, I was so sure that one of the versions of Doctor Strange we see was from What If, the the dark Doctor Strange. And as he's talking, it's very clear that he's not that version of Doctor Strange that had created such darkness in the what if. And that was minor a minor disappointment mm. for me. But they do mention the one that basically destroyed the whole world. They do mention that one. Maybe I'm mistaken then. With the 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 Illuminati Council. Oh, oh. They mention oh. it. They say what their Doctor Strange did and then they say what the what if doctor the first what if doctor strange that we get introduced to oh uh, they do mention it he oh, destroyed man. his whole world they don't mention that he helped save another one uh, um so okay but he does get mentioned interesting okay but i did think that one was going to be that that doctor strange and it didn't end up being the case and also we see in the trailer a shot of a zombie strange and i thought and that I, was a what if right no, something uh, completely different, but also very that's cool. Surprising. If you're a Sam Raimi fan, you know, with the Evil Dead and everything, that's a very cool thing, too. Uh, anyway, lots of good in this movie, I think. All right. So those are our thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What did you think of the film? Do you agree with one or both of us? Did you appreciate what we appreciated about the film? Did you geek out? Let us know. Feel free to email us. Do you feel the same as me? Because if you do, please, can you reach out and make me feel not alone in my interpretation? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, The Gibson Review at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this episode of the Movie Lovers Podcast. Before we talk about the next episode, Shannon, why don't you share with everyone where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography and on Flickchart, Spellbinding A. Go to thegibsonreview.com. Please check out the James Bond a Review series of articles on there. You'll also find past articles such as the Disney Through the Years and other reviews and past episodes of The Movie Lovers. Go follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash the, uh, the Gibson Review, sorry. And also Instagram, the Gibson 99 I do bracket polls there. We recently did, not long ago, of your favorite vampire movie. And just barely, The Lost Boys defeated Let the Right One In and became your favorite vampire movie. And also, a few days ago, we finally learned what your favorite action movie is. It was Die Hard, the original. Uh, but go ahead and check that out. The Gibson 99. See what uh, your favorite 10 films of each of those categories were. And maybe participate in future polls. And you'll also be kept in the loop on things if you do follow there. Next episode of The Movie Lovers. It sounds like we are going to review the new Stephen King movie, Firestarter. 
Hopefully that does not suck. Uh, I understand the original Drew Barrymore movie from the early 80s was no bueno. I don't know that I got very far in that movie. Uh, what will our film faves list be? We still have to brainstorm that. You will probably hear an announcement on Instagram as far as that goes. Uh, but look for the episode on Tuesday. I believe it will be May 24th, if I'm not mistaken. In the meantime, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.